Thank you to 12th Street Sound for sponsoring today's episode. If you're an artist and you want your next recordings to stand up to the best of the best, you need to learn more about 12th Street Sound, a recording studio in my home city, New Westminster, BC. 12th Street provides the value and bang for your buck that you can only get from a boutique studio. That's why I keep choosing Anthony Senarini at 12th Street Sound as my recording and mix engineer for my own music, released as William Chernoff. Anthony and the team are collectors and restoration specialists obsessed with music and recording equipment. When I go into the studio, I get more than just great service. I get the space to craft my story as an artist. You deserve the same as you work on your new music for 2022. Whether you need pre-production, tracking, mixing, or full production services, check out 12th Street Sound today and tell Anthony about your next project. Learn more at 12thstreet.ca. That's 12thst.ca. We had looked into getting an agent for our band. We wanted someone else to take care of the hustle of getting the gig so that we could start creating some kind of revenue for the band. And very quickly we realized, oh, there's no market. It's so niche and it's... We very quickly realized, oh, we are probably not going to generate following nor revenue by like the usual tribute band route. Hello and welcome, everybody. My name is Will Chernoff, and you're listening to the Rhythm Changes podcast, a home for creative, improvising, local music people. With Rhythm Changes, we're striving to make the best possible interview show about a music scene. So if you're joining us for the first time, whether from Vancouver, BC, elsewhere in Canada, or across the world, get involved today with a visit to our website, rhythmchanges.ca. Our guest today is a vocalist and singing teacher, originally from North Vancouver and now based in East Van. She co-founded a Rush tribute band, the Modern Day Warriors, in 2016. In the current lineup, she sings and plays keyboards with Brayden DeChico on guitar, Marcus Abramzik on bass, and Elliot Doyle on drums. She offers vocal coaching and music lessons under the name Sorella Singing Studio, and you can find her there at sorellasingingstudio.com. You can find the Modern Day Warriors at their official YouTube channel, where they have almost half a million views on their live videos at this time, or at the Modern Day Warriors 2112 on Instagram for 2112, the Rush album, of course. And you can find her on Instagram under her own name. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast, Tawny Duran. Ooh, I love hearing all those things. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. I, uh, I guess I... Uh have had a musical career. Look at that. <laughs> you have done many things and it's great to reconnect with you because it has yes. been many years before yeah. we caught up before this. Yeah, it was so nice. I'm so glad that you reached out mainly just so that we could catch up, but also I'm so happy to contribute to this project of yours. So Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have questions about the general Rush music side of things yes. right off the bat. I think maybe... The most obviously interesting thing about what your band does is that Rush is originally a trio, of course, and you are a four-piece band. So what are some of the quirks arranging the music of Rush into a band with one extra person in it? Well, to be perfectly honest, it's pretty easy to take the role of Getty Lee and put it into two people. You could even put it into three people, <laughs> to be honest, because Getty Lee isn't absolute freak of nature i mean that in the most loving and loving admirable way. way 
Oh my God. Uh, Marcus and I always talk about that. We'll finish a song and look at each other and be like, that was so hard for us individually. And he does this at the same time. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so in terms of arrangement, there's actually not that much that needs to be done, which is because he's always busy when he's playing. There's a couple times where, you know, one of us is hanging around and looking at everybody else, right? Because, you know, because other parts occupied. But for the most part, it's it hasn't actually been that hard. Yeah. And so that's you splitting the Getty duties mostly with Marcus, right? Because you're yes. playing keys and singing and he would, Getty would be doing all three, right? Yeah, somehow. <laughs> do you do any of the foot pedal stuff? No, we don't no. have the, the foot pedals. Everything that has foot pedals, I try and just do on the keys. But But I'm almost getting to a point where I need, because in their later albums they started getting really into production uh and so it's not just like a trio anymore there's so many other details going and <laughs> i almost am at the point where i need the foot pedal for the pad and then to play the parts it's 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 as most people know it's very complicated music so. totally yeah and it is such an interesting thing to see a tribute band dedicated to that because most of the time you see the cover band world kind of focus on super top 40 super popular songs right so it's an interesting angle that way too definitely and that was something that i don't think we were fully prepared for i don't think we realized and i think i truly grasped it when we we did a show with a kiss tribute and a acdc tribute so they played first and then we played last um and for the first two sets everyone in the bar or in the venue is drinking and dancing and having a great time and then we get up and most people leave and it's just a group of people in the front sitting and just listening, right? Wow. Absorbing. It's so we're like, oh, this isn't pub music. This is this is sit and, and contemplate and listen music. And so that realizing that like a year or two in, we were like, oh, we have to kind of change our focus a little bit about what kind of gigs we're trying to do, that kind of thing. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I definitely want to ask about one story in particular that was recent and that led to this podcast for sure, which is an experience you had leading up to a show that the Modern Day Warriors did at the Fox Cabaret in the fall of 2021. But first, I am curious about your personal favorite Rush music. I mean, I would say my favorite Rush song is probably The Spirit of Radio or another really basic, really popular choice. But I bet you would have some more interesting ones. Or even if they're popular ones, I'd love to know. So what are your personal favorite Rush tunes? Oh, the Spirit of Radio is is definitely up there as well. Nice. Just the, the lyric and the music of it. It's so creative and inventive. One likes to believe in the freedom of music. Like, how can you not Those like lyrics, that? yeah. So definitely that one. Can I say just moving pictures as yeah. an album? Album's as, good too. I don't, I don't know. They're a very album-focused band too. Yes. Yeah. They, they've always had... Uh, great um I'm obviously they've had, always had great concept albums starting with 2112 and continuing but in terms of favorites i kind of there's my favorites i love to sing and then there's just the favorites to listen to and there's some crossover but i always like to sing the the early 70s stuff like xanadu is so much fun to sing anthem um circumstances because getty has absolutely no chill in the 70s <laughs> and so you just get to sing at the top register and if I can pull it off, that always feels great. We did a uh, Jacob's Ladder at this most recent show, and that is a totally fun experience of a song. It's of course like eleven minutes, <laughs> yeah. As a lot of them are, um, it's very challenging to play, but it's so rewarding. It's so much fun. Yeah, 
So let's go into that show. You did a great job telling the story around it on a post on your own Instagram account about what happened in the lead up to it and how you really received some help from an important person to you as a vocalist. So I'd love to share that story with more people by including it here. So what was your experience leading up to that show at the Fox? Well, I will start off and say that I'm going to name drop my friend Carolyn Quinn. Her business is CQ Voice. You can find her at cqvoice.com. She became a musical collaborator and a friend. And then I heard from everyone what a great vocal coach she was. And then I did one lesson with her and it was mind blowing how different, like how much I noticed my voice change in that lesson. And then I've done a few lessons with her and now I'm actually an uh, associate coach under CQ Voice as well with her. But leading up to this gig, um, we were playing on a Thursday night and I think I think there was a stress about it was our first show in 20 months. So there was like just the kind of stress about like, how does you even play live again? I don't even remember. Um, and then I was dealing with some personal stresses and I just we had a rehearsal on Friday, which I wasn't vocally warmed up for. And as a result, the next day, I just feel that my voice was a little bit worn. Trying to sing to prepare for the gig ended up really hurting my voice. And by Monday, I was mildly panicking. I didn't tell anyone in the band because I just oh, I was wow. like, I'm going to take care of this and not worry them because they've got enough other things to worry about. But I reached out to my friend Carolyn. And I was like, SOS, <laughs> help. Um, what do I do? How do I prepare? Uh, this is totally Carolyn's nature. She dropped what she was doing and sent things like uh, using SOVT exercises, which are called semi-occluded vocal tract exercises, which uh, it's very nerdy vocal science stuff, but it helps um, reposition the vocal cords and reset and reduce swelling, doing um, you know the usual kind of lip trills and stuff, uh, steaming my voice, um, doing exercises with straw and water there's a lot of nerdy uh, vocal stuff in in your voice yeah so um literally like people always say oh i'm you know i'm only i only sing in the shower and or i only sound good in the shower and literally everyone sounds better in the shower because the steam when you're in the shower it actually soothes relaxes the vocal cords and so everything is looser and it is more easy to sing and to vocalize and so you can steam your vocal cords you can buy steamers i just boiled some water and put a towel over my head and breathed in the air for 10 minutes <laughs> which which totally works oh, wow. um also doing people don't realize how physical singing is i mean it's a part of our body and so the muscles need to be stretched and worked out and cooled down and rehabilitated just like you know just like any other muscle group in your body and so uh lots of stretches lots of uh, like face and neck and throat massages and stretches so she gave me like a plan, basically, nice. to, to summarize. She gave me a plan and I like followed through with it. I tried to reduce how much I was singing in classes. And then the day of the gig, I woke up and I had like not used my voice. And I was still just, I don't know how I'm going to deliver. I don't know if I'm going to do it. She took a half hour break between students, met with me on video messenger, gave me more detailed instructions, told me, okay, so you're going to do this and then this, you're not going to talk, and then you're going to do your sound check, and after your sound check, you're going to do a couple of these, and then you go. And so I followed her instructions to the T, was really careful, drank tons of water, and then when it came to actually doing the gig, we did the first set, and I was like, not only am I pulling these notes off, which I thought for sure I they were going to, you know, the upper end of my range was just gone, but it's almost, I was like, this, this is the best I feel like I've sounded. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I'd taken so much time and care. 
I thought I almost lost my voice. I didn't tell you guys. <laughs> but I, she saved that show. She dropped everything and was just there and was present and was a cheerleader and was just, she's incredible that way. She, by the end of the show, not only had I pulled it off and sung it and was proud and happy with the performance, but I actually felt better at the end of that performance than I had ever felt at the end of any Rush performance. <laughs> All right. So that's a really fascinating story about the true value of doing something like vocal coaching. Sounds like then you started teaching around the time you graduated from Kathleen University's music program, which would have been in like 2017. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And you grew up in North Van, yes. pretty close to where that university is right so yes it was very convenient that when i decided i wanted to study music and specifically jazz that there was a very famous yeah literally <laughs> in my backyard so how did you make that choice back then i didn't come to it immediately i had i was really just interested in performing arts and i was really interested in exploring other things after high school i did you know worked in a retail store i traveled and then i went to i went to cap just to take courses to take psychology and art history and just to kind of feel out where my interests were and it was actually I went back and to see an old high school band concert choir concert and when I was there I was just like oh my god I miss making music oh my god it, it was just it kind of over it consumed me and I couldn't stop thinking about it and I was like oh I mean I always loved music this is obvious to me but I was kind of like I branched out to see if there was anything else out there. And I was like, no, 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 it's it's the music. You know, at the school, at high school I went to at Argyle, it's kind of a funnel um, into Capilano. I um, bet. Anyway, so I looked into the classical and the jazz programs and um, the jazz seemed harder and more fun. And it was revisiting and realizing how important music is to me and how much important singing is to me that made me go okay I want to learn everything I can I want to know all the theory I want to know all the vocal techniques I just I want to soak it all up yeah it does seem like it's a great place to go especially if you're a vocalist because there's so much great ear training being taught there oh a hundred percent um shout out to Mary Jo <laughs> I would not have these ears today if it wasn't for her and um I remember two the two years of ear training four days a week and we're just feeling like I was never getting anything that I was always I felt like just hitting my head against the wall trying to hear by the time I got to the end of the year training I, and I actually especially I noticed it once I started teaching I was like oh I can hear these things now I can hear what this chord progression is I can hear the bass line I can and so even though it felt like a struggle constantly the whole time it it definitely worked. And I realize how much of a struggle it is. And I think about this with because I do a lot of my own ear training. You know, if you want to learn to draw, you probably already have the benefit of the muscles developed in your hand from writing all the time. And so even if you've never drawn, there's still some technique or some muscles that you've been developing. But when it comes to ear training, nothing else we do exercises that muscle, so to speak. Interesting. Right? I find a lot of students struggle with it at first because it's literally like like walking on your legs for the first time. You're just like, I have this ability, but I have no idea how to use this. But very quickly, people can catch on. Um, it's interesting how much it was a struggle to get to that ear training, but I'm so grateful for it. Fascinating perspective on ear training. Yeah. And as you approached the last year or two of your time at CAP, that would have been 
when you were starting the Modern Day Warriors and all the other bandmates, including the original bassist, Carl Wallace Deering, they were classmates in the Cap Jazz program. Your oldest videos on your YouTube channel today that are still live come from a session you would have done at Soundhouse Rehearsal Studios in East Van. And that would probably have been in 2016 or 17. Is that right? Yeah, it was August 2016. Yeah. Do you remember that day and going into Soundhouse that day and where you were at? Yeah. And I mostly remember it now as a comparison to how different it is for us to play and set up now. Like I, the keyboard I was using was like not something you want to haul on stage. I had no like proper equipment. I did not know how to use main stage. This, I'm so frustrated by the quality of the uh, the synths and the sounds because I just, it doesn't sound anything like the track. And I know, I know if you talk to each one of the guys in the band, they would say, oh, I'm so much better at this now. I can, I'm, uh, you know, it was so... Um, messy and fly by the seat of our pants but we were just so gung-ho about it we were just stoked to do it we were like we're doing this right and the only unfortunate thing now is that those are the videos on our youtube channel that have the most views instead of the ones five years later where we we have very much polished our uh chops and it's like we do way better interpretation of subdivisions now you should go watch that one (laughs) yeah as you watch the youtube success start to come in what was that like? Because that's an interesting experience and you do have a bigger footprint on YouTube than most of the people I've talked to on this show who come from our kind of jazz community. So what has that been like to see? Well, I don't think any of us were really prepared for it. I mean, we just, you know, you post the videos on Facebook and Instagram and you post the videos on YouTube and then we started noticing like, oh, we're up to a couple hundred subscribers. Oh, we're up to a thousand subscribers oh we're, and now i don't even know what we're at now um three thousand maybe almost four and the reason from my perspective is that no if you're a rush fan you're not just a rush fan you're like a rush fanatic <laughs> it's yeah. you it's it's you don't just love it like it a little bit you love it so intensely you love the music with all your heart it's an intense fandom and so i think that there's just guys on YouTube who have watched every single live rush video and listened to every single track and every single interview and they're just looking for more rush content and here we are and the comment we get the most is that the people are so appreciative that there's some that there's young people I mean young I think relative to what the to average the band yeah or yeah yeah or relative to, fans, to the yeah. to the average age of the listener and to the the band itself but they're so appreciative that there's a group of young people who are carrying the music forward or carrying the torch and um that's really i mean wonderful to hear and i mean we were doing it willingly and joyfully and but it's nice to have that appreciation for sure yeah now there was one thing when i was looking back through your youtube channel that i thought was really amusing and really cool and it did happen a few years ago so i am interested to hear you retell this one even though i did check it out and that's that from what i could gather when you were deciding on which Rush songs to cover in your next batch of videos, you ran some kind of contest to get people to help you pick the song. So what what did you do there? <laughs> yeah, so that was that was us. I think maybe that was after we had looked into getting an agent for our band. We wanted someone else to take care of the hustle of getting the gig so that we could start creating some kind of revenue for the band. And very quickly we realized, oh, there's no market for <laughs> 
<laughs> for a Rush tribute band. Yeah, it's not like you're a Beatles tribute band or anything. No, yeah, yeah or or ACDC or ABBA or like it's so niche and it's. We very quickly realized, oh, we are n- probably not going to generate following nor revenue by like the usual tribute band route. So we have to get creative and find other ways to do that. And so we knew that this online community was growing. Maybe we'd launched our Patreon by that point. We were just trying to find clever and creative ideas for how to fund our uh, sessions when we go in- went into the studio to record Rush songs. And so we thought, well, we yeah, we want to let the listeners choose. And I think we just kind of realize again with the YouTube channel that like maybe the way to grow this band is not in the conventional way that we think. Maybe we should just be leaning more into our online content. So that's what we've been more focusing on in later years. We're looking into doing uh, like live stream shows for because most of our fans don't live in Vancouver. There's there are several, but, but they're all over the place. But there's fans in Germany and fans in Brazil and fans in Texas. And you know, I we get it's it's amazing. We get messages uh, from all over the world saying, "I live in Australia, and I you know I love your interpretation. I love your music." And so we wanted to. We realized that there are just these hardcore fans all over the world, and so we wanted to expand ourselves more digitally than I guess in the traditional route. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting view to what to do next. And it makes a lot of sense. It really does suit where you're at because the same approach doesn't work for everybody. You can't map what most original bands would be doing onto what you're doing. So it's interesting to hear you describe it so clearly. It's really cool. Excited to see where you take it with that, you know? But yeah, it's too. On the personal side, last year, 2021, It was an interesting year for you, and I asked you off-air if I could ask you about this because I found it really interesting as well to hear from you about how you got diagnosed with ADHD in the spring of 2021, I believe. Yeah, and it's been a whirlwind of a year, and it's even though we're in a pandemic and even though, you know, musicians everywhere are just desperate for gigs and it's been hard to not see people and play with people, in many respects, it's been the best year of my life because... A diagnosis is clarity. It's like the light bulb. It's like turning the lights on and being able to see what you're trying to look at for the first time. There's probably better metaphors out there. Yeah. (laughs) But, and I don't know if a lot of people knew this about me because I think I masked a lot and gave off the impression that I had my stuff together, knew what I was doing, but I was floundering, especially after school. After I graduated from school, I was just floundering. I was doing the bare minimum, like showing up to work mostly on time and mostly taking care of my house and my own personal needs. But like any creative projects were just so, I just could not make the time for those because the bare minimum was so daunting, was so difficult. Um, and I quietly, secretly struggled with this. I didn't even really know that I was struggling. I just know that I just kind of thought, oh, well, becoming an adult when you exit from university is hard. Okay, yeah, so this is the challenge. But then I kind of realized this is still hard for me in a way that I'm not finding the answers for. And I kind of hit a a rock bottom in October 2019. I kind of reached a point where I, I fell into a depression and I was like, I don't have any more answers. I don't know what to do. Like, I've exhausted all my options um, for how to take care of these issues in my life and I and I don't know what to do anymore and so I kind of was it was a really hard time I immediately started seeing a therapist again which was really helpful and it was my therapist who actually was the first one to suggest 
some of the struggles that you that you say you have sound like ADHD. And and then I did some research, started getting treatment, and just immediately once I started treatment and started looking up resources online, finding communities online, I was just the validation was overwhelming. The affirmation, the fact that I knew that what I was struggling with had a name and that there were ways to work around it and to manage it and and that strategies that work for neurotypical minds aren't necessarily going to work for me and so I should find other solutions and yeah I can't tell you how much of a I'm trying not to cry I'm kind of uh-huh. <laughs> um <laughs> it's been a huge weight off my shoulders so yeah. wow thank you for sharing that it's I mean yeah. I I'm a emotional person who wears her heart on her sleeve so it's bound to happen it's <laughs> yeah no it's been super great to hear that you've been sharing some of that affirmation with other people too by talking publicly about it and then other people are responding to that and they're they're happy that you shared what you were going through because either they're going through similar things or like me they know somebody or love somebody who does right so it's great for us to hear that too yeah i was i really hummed and hawed about how public i wanted to make this and ultimately the decision came from the fact that adhd in adult women specifically is the most underdiagnosed and most misunderstood um demographic for those with ADHD, right? It was, you know, oh, it presents in boys. Oh, it presents in some men. Oh, it also presents in some girls. Oh, actually, it also can present in women. I just felt kind of an obligation or a duty in a way to just make people aware of this because, and since I've done that, since I've been vocal about it, it, I've had many people talk to me and people I didn't know were ADHD express, hey, yeah, me too. And then some people saying, oh, I, some of your struggles sound really familiar. I'm going to do my own research. And that, and if being vocal about it helped one person kind of like with their own journey, then it was, you know, it's worthwhile. Worth it. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'd like to close on another note that's more specific to you and less to the modern day warriors. And that's your other project, which is called Hot Soup. Yes. And it's more <laughs> recent and it has different members. I'd love to just hear you walk through how it started, what it's been like over the last couple years, I guess, and what might still happen for that for you coming up this year. Who knows, right? So what is Hot Soup all about and what do you play in it? Okay, so Hot Soup was created because after I graduated from CAP, I wanted to still keep myself engaged in music because that was important, but I was like, I, I need a break. The electric bass occurred to me to... Um, pick up because it's just an instrument I had never explored or tried. I'd kind of dabbled in guitar, a little bit in drums, but I'd never picked up the bass. And it occurred to me that I would probably like it because I'm a very melodically focused person. I really enjoy melody. It's why I'm a singer. And I'm like, oh, the bass is just melodies, but down there. (laughs) Um, It's a very Paul McCartney perspective, I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I admire Paul McCartney. Well, who doesn't, right? But um, anyway, so I, it just kind of, gripped me. I was like, I'm, this is what I'm going to do. And so I rented a bass that summer and started practicing, started playing, tra- started teaching it to myself. I took a couple of lessons and got to a point where I was like, okay, in order to get better, I really need to start playing with people. And so I just felt I was stuck. And I was ex- expressing this stuckness to a friend who I had gotten really close with. And she's also a singing teacher and piano teacher. And she said, well, I've always wanted to play the drums. And so I was like, okay, well, let's, and at first it was just like, let's jam, let's like do this. And then she's like, hey, I know another singing teacher who wants to play guitar. And that singing teacher was Carolyn from CQ Boys. And so the three of us, we had all done lots of music and lots of like, I think we all collectively 
were in a, a space of needing just to play music with no expectation, with no pressure, with that we were used to playing under. And so it was just like, let's go suck at our these instruments together and just like <laughs> play. And it we practiced every single week. And it's some of the like my fondest like moments as a musical per like in in music because we played covers we were just you know we were goofing off and silly together the vocal harmonies were great (laughs) (laughs) the 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 playing was getting better you know bit by bit um and we started writing songs kind of like oh we actually have we have a couple of songs that we've written that we're really proud of that we really like let's try and do something with this and so we played our first gig well i don't know if it was a gig we played a jam at a pub we played two songs terrifying because all of us are used to being on stage that's no problem but being on stage with like this instrument that is brand (laughs) new to us we're just like oh my god and the drums and yeah everything yeah so it was like it was terrifying but you know it was really validating and it was like and that was february 2020 (laughs) and um you know we all know the rest uh so things went on hiatus and one of our members uh doesn't live in vancouver anymore so that's we're not physically able to have to play as much as we'd like to anymore, but it's one of the greatest musical experiences I've ever had. And we call it we call it hot soup just because we wanted a name that <laughs> that like had no serious that was intention to it. Vibe. It was yeah. just like it was just like, yeah, hot soup sounds <laughs> funny. But I, I actually I like it a lot because in a way we were kind of like hot soup for each other. We were just oh, it was like nice. comforting and warm and like good for you and it just it like got you through hard times kind of thing right and and so it actually kind of was a really appropriate name and so we're in the process right now of remotely together um taking recording some parts for our these songs that we've written recording demos and hopefully submitting just for some grants and still kind of keep this project alive cuz i absolutely love both those women they're I'm going to cry again. They're <laughs> so inspiring and um, amazing friends. And so, and we also collaborate together really, really well. And so we want to keep this project going in some capacity for as, as much and as long as we can. Well, you definitely have proven yourself to be a great collaborator with the Modern Day Warriors as well as with this band. And I think that's a great place to end because I hope that this episode will serve as your hot soup if you listen to it later. And thanks so much for taking the time to come and chat with me today. This was fun. Oh, Will, it was so fun. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you haven't followed the show yet, make sure you do and tell your friends who might enjoy listening too. Link them to our website, rhythmchanges.ca, Facebook at Chernoff Music, or Instagram and Twitter at Rhythm Changes BC. The Rhythm Changes podcast is a Chernoff Music production. See show notes for full production credits. Copyright 2022, Chernoff Music.